Senior executives know that to stay on top of your game, you need to constantly challenge and develop yourself. IMI's new senior executive experience delivers future-focused learning. Gain invaluable tools and insights in areas like organisation resilience and digital transformation to shape the future of your organisation. Visit imi.ie for details. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Marianne Rue, who's a Future of Work Specialist and a Professor of Leadership. Her work has spanned a number of industries, including retail, mining, oil and gas, public sector, and the list goes on, across countries like South Africa, Australia, and Ireland. On the back of Marianne's recent event at IMI as part of our People Strategy Network, I'm going to catch up with her today for a bit of a deep dive into the future of work. So Marianne, if you could please introduce yourself to our audience. Look, I just want to say hello to everybody. And um, I want to talk uh, just about all the complexity and uncertainty that we work with, because that is really in my 30 years career as a professor and a consultant and a board director, where I spend my time. I try and think about how leaders, HR and organizations can thrive in complexity and uncertainty. So that is really um, what I would like to, to talk about today. And hopefully I can bring from my global and multi-industry experience just a little bit of make sense of it all and hopefully a few things that we can do to thrive in it. Thanks very much, Marianne. It's great to have you on the podcast today. So I want to jump straight into your work. Can you tell us a bit about the concept of adaptive HR? Because that's something you have a lot of knowledge about. Yes, and I actually wrote a book about that um, in the middle of COVID. Um, and it's some, it's a course I've been teaching for a few years. I got to the understanding that there isn't actually another master's degree or anything that people can do that can really help them to transform a their HR organization to be future fit um, and uh, future of work ready. Um, there isn't anything that teaches that. And there's also nothing that holistically looks at how to drive a people strategy that's fit for the future of work because HR really is sitting with this dual pieces of work and they're both very big pieces of work. One is how do we transform ourselves to be an adaptive function that can scale up, scale down towards the priorities of the organization and deliver strategic and meaningful impact. That's the one part. Um, and that's really our own function, our own capability, our own technology that we're using. And then the second part is what is this people strategy and how do we get the board to understand the people risks that sit behind not having an agile organization, not having the right capabilities, not having people connected to a purpose and not having the right experience for everybody that's inclusive and well and so on. Um, and then really making sure that a few very big items are focused on to deliver that kind of value. We are still stuck. We are still stuck in process compliance and programs of work and way too many. Um, and if we do not do something to become this adaptive HR function that can deliver that impactful business outcomes in complexity and also transform ourselves to be a function that can be fluidly focused on the priorities and drive the business value in whatever comes at it, which changes fast, then I think by 2025, there'll be serious questions about HR as a function. They already are, but I think by 2025, it'll be even more stark, especially now with generative HI coming in. 
it's interesting that you're talking about the future and looking forward to 2025 and beyond. So what does the future of work look like for HR professionals? You mentioned at your event that it's not just about hybrid working or remote working, which tends to take over so much of the conversation, but there's a lot more to the future of work. So can you give us a glimpse into that for HR professionals? Yeah, so I, for me, um, it's something I do. I write future work strategy. For me, HR is going to understand that you are the function that needs to help your board and your executive team make sense of the future of work in your industry and context. Do not assume that people understand it. And as I did say at the at the event, hybrid has taken three days the week when people back at the office, people now call that future of work, but that is not future of work. Future of work kicked off in 2014 with Industry 4.0. And Industry 4.0 is huge and accelerated after COVID. It is the technologies we are using, the digital transformation of our organization. It literally is the automation, the generative AI. If we do not have that as one part of our future of work strategy, which technologies are coming in? What are we automating? How is that changing capability? Have to be across that. Then 2017, people went, oh, that's great. What about the human? If we do all this automation, and this has now been accelerated by ChatGPT in ways nobody can could even imagine two months ago. If we what do we do with the human? So if the machine does all these things in industry 4.0, what do the human beings do? If we don't know what jobs are going to exist, what do we prepare people for? We are finding these massive skills gaps, millions of people that need to be retrained and reskilled by 2025, at least 100 hours a year, and organizations are not doing it. So we've got Industry 4.0, Industry 5.0, first two bits of future of work. Yes, then you do also have hybrid work and people not feeling the same way about work after COVID. So how do you work? How do you lead? How do you put teams together? How do you communicate? How do you train in a hybrid work? Then in the middle of all of that, we've gone and said, ESG is very important. We have to have an ESG strategy. And that S is a massive people implication S. It's diversity and inclusion. It's community. It's developing our people. It's the number of women we have on the boards. It's all these things and on our executive teams. So you need to get your head around ESG. You need to then get your head around the other thing that's been happening alongside all of this which is we've got these end-to-end teams now that are cross-functional. Have we even started to understand how to design the organization like that? So there's a massive impact on org design. And now we go to skills-based talent. So now we say, oh, well, we're going to pay for skills in the future. People are going to bring skills and then they'll be rolled out onto projects. Nobody has a skills taxonomy in their organization. They don't know what skills their people have. So I want people to stand back from it all. And actually do a sprint for a week and say, right, how does industry 4.0 play out in our context? Industry 5.0, ESG, skills based work and hybrid work. And then what do we pull out from that? That's critical for us in our organization to get right. And then write a future work strategy and bring people in, bring your facilities people in, bring your finance person in, bring everybody in, your CTO to sit together and write the strategy. Because if you don't understand it and make sense of it, you are going to restructure here, do a bit there, and then fight about the three days back in the workplace and not be thriving and ready 
for the future of work. It's obvious that the future of work goes so far beyond hybrid working and there's just so much to think about to consider when you're in a team or when you're leading that HR function. And now I want to come back to something that you mentioned briefly there, and that is ChatGPT. And it just seems that every time you look, there's some kind of new, more advanced generative AI kind of technology. And it's maybe not obvious from the outset that these technologies will have an impact on HR professionals, but they definitely will in the future. So can you tell us a bit about that and how you anticipate these technologies to impact on HR next year and the year beyond and kind of five or 10 years into the future? I'm going to start with the, the future structure, operating models of HR and for a reason, and then I'll come back to how ChatGPT sits in there, because what it does is it changes your target interaction model. So if you think I am very weary when HR functions, big or small, don't have a good target operating model. So where, how are they going to interact with their customers? What services are they going to deliver? And B, how are they going to um, deliver this between digital and human? So what ChatGPT does is along that employee experience, the one part of HR where 50% of your resources should be sitting, and they should be sitting there across the employee journey, delivering a customer-grade experience. The people would be, when will they come in and talk to a bot? When will they interact with an AI chat GPT generated um, answer, right? Which you've integrated into your HR technology. And when will they speak to a human? What's going to happen is that this employee experience team that is delivering from joining all the way through to leaving the organization, that experience, a lot more of it's going to be done by machines than before. And people can go, oh, dear, my job is going. Well, it is going <laughs> because IBM has just said, we're going to let a whole lot of people go in our back office. So our HR back office is in big trouble if we don't reskill. But this is good news for us because what we can then do is have less human interaction, but still give people a great customer experience through bots and chat GPT, really driving and automation, really driving very good processes for people, great answers to the queries that they have, great ways for them to get things done across their employee journey. And we can, in the other 50% of our HR team, can then really focus on the other two things we need to be really good at. One is account management. What we used to call business partners, which should definitely now have an account management, understanding people in the business, understanding the business, coaching the leaders, understanding the talent and capability they need but not doing any employee experience work because we've done our interaction model and we've leveraged automation and chat GPT in our processes. It saves us an enormous amount of time, right? If you understand how to use it. So you have to reskill into those areas. We can then go and be great account managers to drive business strategy. And we can create a fluid resourcing consulting team that can go and deliver those business projects that our account managers are telling us people need, right? We can go and do our piece of strategy work with the rest of the team. And now we can start to drive agility, capability, purpose, and experience. Instead of being stuck in process and compliance, right? We can really leverage ChatGPT. It means that we have to reskill completely because the skills are not out there. That's the good news. Yes, some of your job will be replaced, 
but you're still going to be needed, but you need to have upskilled or reskilled yourself um, to be able to leverage this in HR. It's so interesting to hear how these kinds of technologies like ChatGPT and generative AI tie into the changing of structures within HR teams, because I think previously HR teams were structured in a certain way and you had your generalists and your specialists, maybe someone in charge of recruitment, but that's not the way to bring your organization and your team structure into the future. So thanks very much for those insights. And now I want us to talk a bit about the concept of surviving versus thriving. And we know that record numbers of people are resigning from their jobs. They're being signed off sick. So it's the job of HR professionals to start to re-energize their people. And I think it really goes beyond the idea of having a quarterly talk about stress or, you know, a ping pong table in the office kitchen. So how can HR teams really re-energize their, their own team members and the wider organization? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen, not just HR, but let's talk about HR for a moment. I have never seen people in my 30 years this burnt out and this overwhelmed. Never. Also, a real stall, I think, just in programs and projects in the last four months where people are just so scared to move forward. It's almost as if they're frozen in place um, to, to go forward with things because they're really worried about the uncertainty and complexity. So where do you start? In my mind, and I've just done this with two HR teams, in my mind, you start with building personal agility. You can't have organizational agility if you don't have personal agility, right? So if you want to thrive, you've got to have the mindsets and the practices that help you thrive daily rituals and practices and if you look at leaders that do this well they make sure they sleep seven hours they make sure that they prioritize their work they make sure that their self-awareness is high they make sure that they rest and recover there's a couple of things and i i really have done a lot of research on this it's another book i wrote called uh, superpowers human superpowers i think the key to everything that you start with HR and others, because as you've got to build this capability across the whole organization, these human skills we're talking about. Number one, number one is growth mindset and curiosity because it gets us out of the fear. Let's be curious about this. Let's not go, oh, chat GPT cannot do it. Yes, it is ethically difficult. It needs guardrails, but how can we use this? Let's try this out. Let's learn about it. For me, the first thing is to lean into the discomfort. Don't run away from it. Don't stall. Be curious about it. Learn about it. Be adaptive about it. That is number one. Number two, self-awareness. Where are my strengths? Where are my development areas? What do I need to do um, to really move forward? And where do I need to collaborate with others to get same strengths around me? We have to build these teams. It's too complex for one person to do it so how do I work with others my self-awareness needs to be high my emotional agility I need to understand where am I being hooked emotionally how can I unhook myself um, especially if I'm feeling stressed need good practices for those things um, absolutely good relationships with people your networking your influence and your collaboration has got to be great um, and focus for me is so important. People are incredibly unfocused. HR, 
I do not want to see another 200 um, projects on your list. What are the big, important things, business priorities we have to get right in year one, then in year two, then in year three? Focus on a couple of things and throw your resources behind it so you can make big impact. Don't do peanut butter spread with your resources and wear them out. Make sure that you do the right things, the focused things with curiosity and experiment. Don't throw everything out into big scale. Use your human-centered design, experiment, learn, fail, pilot, right? Learn their skills and do it that way. And that is what, it's, it's that kind of experimentation, curiosity, mindsets that everybody in the organization, including HR, needs to have. And get excited about the possibilities, HR, of what this means for your career, that you can do a lot more meaningful work a lot more impactful work if you lean into the discomfort, if you learn, if you're adaptive, and if you get focused. You can make an enormous impact in your organization by doing less, better, and taking better care of yourself. Lean into the discomfort. I really love that. And I think that's such a great way to approach all of these new technologies and all of these unknowns that we can't really predict and that we don't have knowledge of. So thanks so much, Marianne, for sharing that. I want us to talk a bit about complex problem solving and some strategies. And this is something that we covered in your recent event, but I do want to share it with the rest of our listeners as well. So I think a lot of HR professionals, but by extension, any professionals, they know that they have a certain problem that needs to be solved. But What's the root of the problem? What are the blockers to actually solving it? So can you talk us through your approach to complex problems? Yeah, this is something I teach in my leadership programs, but it's also something that we facilitate quite regularly is we just get together every quarter and say, what are the messy, wicked problems, right? Paradoxical problems that we're just not able to solve. Let's bring people in here. Now, the key is that the, com the problems, if it feels hard to be a leader or in HR right now, you're absolutely right. It has become a lot more complex and it has become a lot more uncertain and it's not going to change. It will only accelerate. So we have to become more complex. We cannot hold on to what we call an adult development theory or in thinking. We cannot hold on to linear problem solving when we have a messy, wicked problem. It does not get solved with expertise and linear or black and white thinking. And this is where we're based. We love being an expert and that's great. But we link our self-regard to being this expert and we go into more and more senior roles and we don't make sure that we are starting to think in systems thinking, use complex problem solving, tackle the wicked problems. We love to stay where we're comfortable. So I use specific methodologies to help people with that systems thinking, with that wicked problem solving. Because as you go up the organization, you go from simple to complicated to complex and sometimes chaotic problems. COVID was for sure chaotic. And you really have to up your game in terms of your systems thinking. So what we do is we map the mess. I go, what stops us from achieving double-digit growth? And I just pull, they say that's our strategy and we're struggling. I just pull everybody in, HR, everyone. I'm like, right, let's do a world cafe, right? Let's move around the table. 
ask different questions. What stops us from being the number one choice for customers? What stops us in HR from achieving this? And we map the mess. We just think. We just brainstorm what stops us, what stops us, what stops us. That gives us a lot of root causes. But we can't stop there. People will always want to jump into solution. We then have to say, if we look at that whole emerging picture with all the diverse perspectives we've gotten, and maybe we can add a little bit of data analytics to that just to confirm what we've seen. What are the patterns that are emerging? What are the priorities? Maybe we thought incentives was the biggest issue, but if we look at what people have come up with, we actually see it's culture and leadership. That seems to be the thing that causes, that stops us from double-digit growth as opposed to sales incentives. So we look for those. We call them frogs. We look for them. We put things together. We look at how big they are. And then I say, all right, now that you understand all these patterns, what's the actual problem you need to solve here? Not the one we started with. What are the causes of this problem that we need to solve so that we create a systemic solution, not just a linear solution that only deals with one little part of the problem from my expert view? And once we understand that, I get people to redefine the problem and say, what are we actually looking for here? And they might say, we did an example in the class where people looked at the pattern and said, we're very good. We seem to be very good at attracting people, but then we don't give them good movements through the organization. So then they leave, right? So if we look at this, the main thing we're seeing here is that we have a leaky pipeline, right? Especially of the people we want to keep, the capabilities, the women, et cetera. So you say, okay, so this is our problem. And then you ideate, right? You use, you go, all right, what would it look like and then come back to double due to growth. What would it look like if we did achieve double due to growth and dealt with this frog that we have in front of us? Right? What would it look like? Explain to me. So you ideate and you do that broadly and you look at what competitors have done. And once you've got the ideation, you now have your current state and your future state. And you ask yourself, how do I walk across the bridge from what I now understand my future state need to be and from where I am now? What needs to be in place? What needs to be in place? What needs to be in place? You put your steps down across that bridge and that becomes your program of work. If you're not doing that, these complex problems will continue to emerge and they will eventually be the thing that will stop your organization from achieving its strategy. Thank you so much, Marianne. I think there are some really practical takeaways that our listeners can go off and implement when they're looking to solve these complex problems that come up all the time within organizations. And for a final question, I want to give you something that's a bit left field. So we recently hosted a masterclass in IMI with Malin Rydal, and she comes from Denmark. And she spoke to us about how to channel some of the characteristics of Danish culture for effective leadership. And she spoke about things like trust and accountability. So Marianne, you've worked in a diverse range of countries. You've worked in South Africa, you've worked in Australia, and now in Ireland. So are there any cultural factors that we can channel from any of those countries that could really contribute towards our effective leadership? Yeah, I mean, let me start in South Africa, where I was born and worked and still do some work. I think we're talking about complexity and uncertainty, right, and curiosity. 
I think when you grow up in a complex place like South Africa that had to transition itself out of apartheid and completely transform its workforce demographically, skills-wise, and still sits every day with the most incredible problems of electricity and water and things that you wouldn't imagine in Australian Ireland. One of the things that I think people can absolutely learn from people there is just the unbelievable can-do attitude. There is, you just don't hear, we can't do it. You just don't hear it. It's just like, okay, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. Let's try something. Let's do something. I find in Australia and Ireland, often people are almost too comfortable. And so there's just a bit of, well, we don't have, there's a lot more reasons I get from people as to why they can't do it or why they can't do it now. I'm not saying people don't do stuff but there's much slower um, and less risk-taking. And I think coming from South Africa, there's a very high level of curiosity, um, very straight sometimes, probably too straight, but very honest, um, very open and curious, very adaptable, and really willing to lean into discomfort because nothing has ever been comfortable. Australia is interesting. It's a very, very different mix of industries, right? So. Um, I think that you you get a very strong um, probably work relations focus in Australia very often. So people will often say to me, I can't do that because that's not in the enterprise agreement, right? So that's something I see there quite often. Um, but here, I think people, I think that what's happening here is there's a lot more diversity and people are being embraced a lot more and listened to. So I feel like there's a little bit more willingness to try things, but still too slow. And I think it's quite dangerous to be slow and comfortable right now. Um, I really think that I also see South Africans probably um, reskilling and upskilling themselves a lot more and getting very comfortable with technology and much faster. So I think it's just a little bit of Let's move a bit faster. Let's take a few more risks and let's just be curious and let's just be okay with complexity. Thank you so much, Marianne, for sharing your insights and joining us on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast today. And thank you to everyone for listening. You can follow us on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.